Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. Father, thank you so much for that amazing worship, our amazing worship team. Thank you for taking a studio and turning it into a church. Thank you for taking a living room and turning it into a church, the, the backseat of a car and turning it into a church, a bedroom and turning it into a church. We are grateful for your presence. Thank you for visiting us. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen, amen and amen. Well, welcome everybody. Welcome to Journey Church Online. We are so grateful that you chose to join us today. My name is JJ and I have the honor of serving as lead pastor alongside my wife, Liz. And if this is your first time with us today, we wanna welcome you. We wanna say thank you for taking the time to be with us and we wanna make you feel at home. So come on church, can we put our hands together? Yeah. To all of our first time guests. We're so glad that you're here with us online. And I just want to say again, I know it's like the third time the words thank you have come out of my mouth, but I want to say thank you for a different reason this time. Before we even get into the message, before we even get into some big announcements, I want to say thank you for your response to last week's sermon and uh, touching a very delicate topic, um, a very controversial uh, issue that we knew we had to speak on because it's what the Bible asks us to speak on and just to get the social media responses, to have the conversations with people before and after the talk and to hear the paradigm shift taking place literally as we were talking in so many people's lives gives me hope, gives me hope for this country, gives me hope for our church and churches across America. So thank you, Journey Church, for being the kind of church that really doesn't just give us permission, but really pushes us to have that conversation. I remember sharing with people that we were thinking about taking it to that next step, just giving it a whole Sunday. And white people, black people, brown people, everybody was on board uh, with it. And so thank you so much for supporting. Make sure you share that message. Make sure you share this message right now uh, because it's going to be a good one. And before we get there, I want to make some big announcements. There's a fly in this room in Jesus' name. I want to make some big announcements. And if you haven't heard on Social media yet, they might edit that out, probably not. Um, some big announcements, if you haven't heard on social media yet, we are finally re-gathering as a church! So excited, man. I mean, this is great, I love everybody. And thank you guys and everybody, but I'm ready, I'm ready, ready to see other people and you know, <laughs> Other people, again, thank you, no, but I'm just ready. And I think you're ready too. And I chose my words very carefully. I said regather, not reopen, because the church never closed. Uh, your generosity made ministry possible on every level and every definition of, uh, of making a difference and every definition of ministry. You did it. We did it. I'll share some of the wins at the end of the, today's message. Um, and so it's been great. Uh, but there's something special when a bunch of believers come together in a room. And so the date is going to be June 28th, June 28th. Um, we are really grateful to our sister church, Calvary 
Orlando uh, off of I-4 Par Street who have opened their church for us to have church there. And so since they have service on the same day, we're going to be going to one service. It's going to be at 2 p.m. And I want to let you know two things about June 28th, Sunday, 2 p.m. Coming back on that day. Number one, it's going to be safe. Safety is literally our number one priority. All of our plans have been submitted to the mayor's office. All of our plans have been submitted to our county officials. We've gotten the okay from the CDC following their guidelines as well. So it is gonna be a very safe environment. The auditorium at Calvary is ginormous, which means we have no trouble physical. You gotta have a whole row to yourself if you want a whole row. I think you see something like 4,000 people. So you could, you could get a section if you want, just you and your family. Just where you sit it, upper right quadrant. That's where my family's at. You can do it and it was gonna be safe. And, and second, I wanna thank you in advance for your flexibility. Thank you for your answer, your flexibility. We started off as a church that met in my living room. Then we went to a church that met in a coffee shop. Then we went to a church that was meeting in a high school. Then we went to a church that was meeting online. And now we're going to a church meeting in another church. And so we're just so grateful because the church is still the church. And everybody I've shared the news with, not one, buddy, not, not one person has come back with doubts or, or questions. They're just all about it. We're just ready because we understand this season more than ever, the church is so much more than an address. And it's so much more um, than a familiar uh, environment. And so I want to thank you for your flexibility because being flexible means there's a possibility that Winter Park High School actually opens up before the 28th or, or right thereafter. So just be in tune with all of our social media channels and email so that we can pivot if we need to pivot real quick and you'll know, I don't want you showing up at a building and nobody's there, okay? Because that's the only time that you can't have church uh, <laughs> is when you're by yourself, all right? You need other people to have church. And then also, if you're a part of the Dream Team, I want to invite you next Sunday to our team reunion service, the 21st. That's definitely going to be at Calvary Orlando, Sunday, 2 p.m., and we're going to have online services just as normal. And we're going to have online services even when we move to 2 p.m. So if 2 o'clock doesn't work for you, you can join online. There'll be a replay at 6, and there'll be replays throughout the week. So we are coming back. Somebody say we're coming back. We're coming back. That's good. And I wanted to say that because I think it's a good statement. It's a good setup for the title of today's sermon. Because even though we're coming back, here's my title. I'm not going back. We might be coming back, but I'm not going back. That is the title of my message today. I'm not going back. You know, I used to be a much a skinnier man, uh, very skinny. JT, you remember me back in the day when I was skinny, but I still have my New York roots. So I was weighing 130 tops in a double XL <laughs> t-shirt. I'll never forget, JT changed my life when he said, I think you're a medium. <laughs> I think you're a medium. Those, those, those words changed my life. Um, so I appreciate it. Thanks, man. And I remember wanting to get bigger at some point in my life, probably three years ago, deciding I want to put on some weight. And, uh, and I, by no means, am I a big man now. Um, but uh, I weigh about 170, and it's been a journey of, uh, of eating and working out. And I just remember how uncomfortable that journey was. Uh, I had to eat a lot more food. And I, and I know right now every heavy person is like, boo-hoo. Yeah, you had to eat more food. Oh. And, Stop hating. And um, it's uncomfortable to eat so much when you're trying to put on muscle. And the other uncomfortable thing was working out because I was not, just wasn't me. And I remember lifting the heavy weights in order to put on muscle and hurting myself because I wasn't doing it in the right form. And, 
And I remember the strain of trying to get the reps, but something happened when I got uncomfortable. My body began to change. My body began to grow. How many people know that we grow when we get uncomfortable? When we are uncomfortable, we grow. And I want to tell you something that you probably don't know because you've been looking at yourself over the last three months. I want to tell you something at home because you're living with yourself and you're looking in the mirror, but you've been through a lot in these past three months. You've been through a lot of discomfort. You've been through a lot of uncomfortable situations and you might not know it and you might not realize it. But hear me when I tell you, you've grown, you've changed. I can see it in your patience. I can see it in your character. I can see it in your commitment. I can hear it in your worship. I can feel it in your prayer life. You have changed. And the reason that you've changed is because of COVID. It's because of the economic uncertainty. It's because of the George Floyd protests and the, and the Ahmaud Arbery death. And it's because of those things. And they've changed you. Your DNA has shifted because of the level of discomfort that you have been forced to go through in these last three months. Now, I don't think that that's novel information. I, I think we all know that when we get uncomfortable, we change. But I've learned something in this same season, I've learned something else as well. And I've learned that discomfort is not the only agent of change. There is another element that is just as powerful as discomfort when it comes to changing who you are, but you don't notice it because it's subtle. It's sneaky. It's quiet. Yeah. When we, when we, when we are uncomfortable, we change. But you know when we change also? We change when we get comfortable. Oof. I have found that comfort is just a, as a powerful change agent as discomfort. You just don't notice it because comfort by its very definition is sneaky. You don't, you don't notice when you're, when you're comfortable. But if you're not careful, comfort can change you just as much as uncomfort, as discomfort, as being uncomfortable. It is day six of my keto diet. I am on the keto diet. Anybody here ever tried? The keto, you tried keto? You try, are, you, are you on it right now? No. So, so <laughs> there's a reason it is not easy. It is difficult. I like saying it all slow, keto. I'm on the keto diet right now. And uh, the reason why I'm on the keto diet right now, let me tell you, when I was younger, I had trouble putting on weight. Something happened <laughs> when I turned 30. Something happened where the weight didn't go away like it used to go away. And now I look in the mirror and because these last three months, when my gym was closed, these last three months, when the pantry was full of potato chips, <laughs> potato chips and, and chocolate chip cookies and ice cream. And let me just say, I'm not my life in every area spiraled up during this quarantine, except in the area of my diet. My diet went down and I remember stepping up on the scale, expecting my weight to plummet because I wasn't lifting weights. And I stepped on the scale and I was the heaviest I'd ever been in my life. And it wasn't the muscles that were big. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Something else was getting large and 
And I told my wife, I said, we got to get on that keto diet right now. I heard it does miracles. I, I need to lose the weight. Why did I need to lose the weight? Because I had gotten comfortable. And the same way being uncomfortable changed my body. Are you following me? Comfort changed me. And I have a fear now. I fear. I, I, that's why I joined two gyms right now. Because my, my first gym was closed. And I had to drive further to go to another gym. I was willing to get uncomfortable to drive further to work out. Because here's the deal. I don't want to lose my progress. I'm afraid of going back to being an out of shape person. And I'm not just afraid of losing my progress. Can I tell you, I'm afraid of you losing your progress that you've gained. In these last three months, wouldn't it be a shame? Wouldn't it be a shame that everything you gained during these last three months you lost? Because things are gonna open again, and when they open, they're starting to open now. Will we slip back into a level of comfort that will cause us to forget everything that we went through and at the same time lose all the things we've gained through it? I'm afraid for our nation, our nation that is experiencing. A racial revival right now. I'm afraid. I mean, I'm encouraged because on one hand, the protests have been going on now for three weeks. Let's go. That's amazing. It's not a fad. Like, we're doing it. That's great. But I'm also, I'm cautious because I also understand human behavior. And I know that on July 31st, the NBA is coming back. And then in November, we got an election. And then in September, our kids go back to school. And so I'm just wondering when the news just comes back and will the change that we've been experiencing, will we forget it? Because the history we forget is the history we repeat. And so we cannot forget. We need to, here's my subtitle. Can I give you a subtitle? My first title was, make sure when you put this on YouTube, you put the title and the subtitle. The title is I'm not going back. Here's the subtitle, because here's what I want to talk to you about. I want to teach you how to protect your progress. Mm, How to protect your progress. And I believe that the the number one way to protect your progress, to make sure that the change that we've experienced in our lives and in our nation is not just a bump in the road, but a brick in the building, something that we continue to build on. I think you have to understand, here's here's the principle, the principle of pre-decision. The principle of pre-decision. The principle of pre-decision. I think you have to come to a place where you just stand up. You take a stand and you go, I'm not going back. I am deciding today for my tomorrow. I am pre-deciding. Joshua pre-decided in Joshua 24, 15. He said, choose this day whom you will serve. Choose this day whom you will serve. And he gave him options. I love him. He said, you can serve the Lord. He said, or you can serve the gods of your fathers that they served on the other side of the Jordan, what's he saying? He's saying, you can go back to the old man if you want. You can go back to the old ways and the old mindsets and the old paradigms and the old struggles and the old weaknesses. You can, you can do that. He says, or if you want, you can serve the local gods of the Amorites, the land that they were taking. What's he saying? Or you can go back to the status quo of the culture around you. You can just settle for this average Joe life. Do you want to go back to that? You can go back, but he's what he says in verse 15. He says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I am deciding today. I am pre-deciding why everybody's hyped. He, he told them that when they had just finished conquering the promised land. He's like, now that I got your attention, make a decision now. Come on. We make pre-decisions all the time. One of the biggest pre-decisions we ever make in our life are your wedding vows. 
You know, wedding vows are, are just a bunch of predecisions. You know, I'm in sickness or in health. You ain't sick right now, but I'm going to decide now that when you get sick, I'm already going to be there. And for richer or for poorer, you ain't rich right now. And you ain't poor right now. But whether either one, I'm just deciding in advance that I, I'm going to be there for you. But I need you to decide now while your makeup's on point. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I decide now while I fit into my tux. <laughs> decide now when everything's good. Because this is a picture of what it can be if you commit. You know what I'm saying? Like, so we got to make it now, now that, we're, now that we're experiencing growth, now that we're experiencing excitement, now that we're experiencing the potential of change. Make the decision today for tomorrow because when you pre-decide, when, when you execute pre-decision, pre-decision, you get precision. Clarity. You get clarity on your decisions for tomorrow because you already pre-decided in the past so that when my spouse gets sick, when my spouse gets annoying, not if, when, <laughs> when they disrespect me, when they break my heart, when the choice of staying is so obvious because I pre-decided in advance that I would be with you through heaven or hell or high water. Hell or high water, that's the saying, that's how it goes. <laughs> and so I want to give you four pre-decisions that I want you to make today because I believe that four things have come out. Four things have come out of our lockdown. Four things have come out of this shutdown. Now, I want to be careful. I'm not talking about this in a way where, like, COVID-19 is behind us. It's not. Be careful. Continue to practice physical distancing and all of that. But, but whether we're ready for it or not, America's reopening. So we're going to go back. And so now that we're going back, there's, there's four things I believe we learned in this season that we cannot forget. And so we're going to pre-decide four things. The first is, I'm not going back to racial injustice. I'm not going back. I tried to figure out a fancy way to say it, but I just had to be plain with it. I'm not going back to racial injustice. I'm not going back to being silent about it. I'm not going back to not preaching about it. I'm not going back to supporting it with my silence. I'm not going back to not seeing uh, 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 supremacy all around me. I'm not going back. I'm not going back to not standing up for the little man. I'm not going back anymore. I'm going to move forward. Galatians chapter 2, verse 11 through 13, Galatians 2, 11 through 13, I'm going to read from the message version. It goes like this. Later, when Peter came to Antioch, some background on Antioch. Antioch was the first Gentile church in the New Testament. What is a Gentile? Very simply, a Gentile is someone who is not a Jew. That's significant because when Jesus began his ministry, he did it to the Jews. And now the gospel is spreading beyond the Jews to the Gentiles. I said another way, what is a Gentile? You are. I am. Although I do pass for being Hebrew at times. <laughs> Many people say that. I am, I am a Gentile. I am a Gentile. I had a face-to-face -face confrontation with him. This is good. Paul. Paul is saying. Peter came to Antioch, but when he came, I had a face-to-face -face confrontation with him. I had to because he was out of line. Here's the situation. Earlier, before certain persons had come from James, Peter regularly ate with the non-Jews. But when that conservative group, uh-oh, watch out, fellow conservatives. <laughs> when that conservative group came from Jerusalem, he cautiously pulled back and put as much distance as he could manage between himself and his non-Jewish friends. That's how fearful he was of the conservative Jewish clique that's been pushing the old system of circumcision. Here's some things you need to know. Peter was trying to go back to an old system that Jesus had tore down on the cross. And he wasn't trying to go back to the old system because he believed 
in the old system. He was willing to go back to the old system because he was fearful of the backlash that he would get for trying to move forward. You will always face backlash when you try to move forward. There will always be people who will try to maintain the system because it was that system that gave them power. So when you challenge their system, you challenge their power and the people in power will try and use their power to make you powerless. And so, they'll try, and so, so Paul said, Peter said, Peter said, I want to go back to the old system. And then, and here, by the way, the old system was a system of circumcision. If you're not familiar with circumcision, you've, you're not a boy, or you've never took health class, or <laughs> circumcision is the cutting of the foreskin of, of the male private parts. I don't like feel like I'm talking to my five-year-old right now, private parts. Um, and, uh, and it was a way of distinguishing that you were a follower of God. And when Jesus came, he did away with a lot of that. But a lot of these Jewish Christians said, no, no, it's not enough to pray the prayer of salvation. You also have to be circumcised. You have to eliminate the foreskin, the foreskin, the foreskin. I'm saying it a lot for a second. I know you've never heard the word foreskin said so many times, but I'm going to say it one more time. You had to, the foreskin, skin, skin, skin. Isn't it crazy that 2,000 years later, we still got a system built on skin? Still got a system built on skin where the, where the definition or the, the reality of your power is, de is determinant, is dependent on your skin. But Paul, man, Paul wasn't having it, which is crazy to me because when we talk about this system, Paul used to be its greatest defender. Paul used to be the greatest defender of this old system. And I don't mean like he posted on it, like he would kill people who came against his system. He, he was the greatest defender of this system, but somehow God got a hold of his heart. The Holy Spirit got a hold of his heart and he changed. And he went from, from being a defender of the system to an offender of the system. He offended what he used to defend. And all because the Holy Spirit got a hold of his heart. I'm just saying, there is hope for the most racist of racist person. There is hope. If God can change Paul's heart, he can change the heart of the leader of the KKK. He can change the heart of a white supremacist. I'm not giving up hope. I'm not just looking to the future generations to change this. I still believe God can change the old generation's heart. I still believe there's hope for the South. I still believe there's hope for that old traditional mindset. If he can do it in Paul's life, he can... He can do it. He can do it in theirs. He can do it in their heart. I love that Paul came to offend the system. So I'm not going back to racial injustice. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep having the uncomfortable conversations. Just like Paul did. You saw how Paul got in the face of discrimination? He went, he got, I'll tell you how he got in the face of discrimination. He got in the face of the discriminator. And he was willing to have an uncomfortable conversation with Peter. Yeah. I'm grateful for the conversations that have been happening. Yeah. Let's keep having them. Yeah. Let's keep having them. I'll never forget when I first moved to Staten Island from Brooklyn, New York. I was brand new in, in, uh, in my neighborhood. And to my right, um, there was the Dworkin family. And to my, my uh, left, there was another family. I can't remember the name, but the father's name was Anthony. And the only reason I remember this was because he was like legit from Sopranos. Like he was from the movies to show Sopranos. He's just hardcore Italian, like had the accent, like I never seen him go to work one day in his life, but he always had money. So we just, <laughs> we treated him with respect. <laughs> but I'll never forget one day he came to uh, our house 
after we had lived there for like two years, he told my dad, he said, um, you know, you guys are great neighbors. He said, when I heard Puerto Ricans were moving in next door, I was worried. He said, but you guys are all right. <laughs> That's like the story of the good Samaritan. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? When I heard it was a Samaritan, I was worried, but he's one of the good ones. And so, so that was one experience. On the other side, though, when we first moved in, we had our neighbor, the Dworkin family. I didn't make that name up. This is, like, I remember, this is how much it stuck with me. They came over, and they just welcomed us to the neighborhood. I don't know if they gave us a pie or something. Maybe, like, that's fictionalized from, like, a movie I saw. But I for sure remember them knocking on my door and just welcoming us to the neighborhood. Jonathan was in my same class, second grade, second grade. And so Jonathan was a son. So I went to school for the first day, and it was recess time. And I don't know if they have recess still at schools. It's been a while since I've been there. But uh, we had recess, and we went outside to play. And as I went outside to play, I'll never forget uh, this kid, uh, white skin, blonde, long blonde hair. He looked like Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Do you know what I'm saying? From, from uh, JTT, from Home Improvement, you know? Uh, yeah, throwback. Um, he, he just killed like a, model, like a second grade model. And so he just he came up to me during a dodgeball and he just started to pick on me. I was too young to understand racial things then. Look back now, it makes sense. I was the only brown kid in the uh, class. And so um, I remember as he was picking on me, Jonathan Dworkin. Jonathan Dworkin came in. He stood in the middle between me and Tyler. I, I haven't had one conversation. The only conversation I had with Jonathan was the one at my door. And, and he said, hey, that's my neighbor. Wow. Stop picking on my neighbor. Tyler made some comments, left, looked at me, goes, you all right? I go, yeah. He goes, you sit with me at lunch. Turns out that Jonathan and Tyler were friends. But from that day, I never saw Jonathan have lunch with Tyler again. Wow. Here's my question. What relationships are you willing to lose to stand up to injustice? Yeah. Because that will be the cost for having uncomfortable conversations. Yeah. You need to tell your parents, I can't leave my kids at your house any longer yeah. if you're going to talk like that. That's right. I can't leave my kids there any longer if you're going to act like that. Yeah. You got to tell your friends that you hang with. We can't chill anymore if you're going to be that way. If you use that word, we can't hang if you use that word. We can't, I can't bring you to my life if you're not going to stand up for that person. And so you got to be willing to have the uncomfortable conversations, not just with people of the black race, but also people uh, who are oppressing, people who are standing uh, in the way, people who are, are uh, oppressors. You need to stand. And so that's the first. My second point, I'm not going back. Here's the second thing that we want to get out of this time. I'm not going back to being busy. Come on, somebody. I'm not going back to being busy. I can already feel it. My schedule is starting to get packed again. Invitations are starting to come in. People are having birthday parties, you know, but there was a whole season there where nobody could do nothing. And I had so much time and so much rest and so much peace that I was almost annoyed by the break, but it was good. And now that everything's reopening again, the temptation to be busy is, is back. And I don't know about you, but I'm not going back. I don't want to go back to being busy. The challenge is as I prepare my schedule, the challenge is that everything that's coming my way, I feel like I have to do. Do you ever feel that way when it comes to creating your schedule? You're like, I know I'm supposed to say no to stuff, but everything here is something I have to do. So how do I say no to something I have to do? But when that thought hit me, I looked back at the last three months of my life and I realized that when I couldn't do the things that I had to do, somehow I didn't miss a beat. Somehow the bills got paid. 
somehow the kids got educated. Somehow the church grew. Somehow the money came in. Somehow, when I couldn't do it, it still got done, which is forcing me to redefine what I, 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 I have to do. Do I have to do it? When the Israelites were coming out of the desert, Moses gave them a word. And it wasn't just good for people coming out of a desert. I think it's a good word for people coming out of lockdown too. Deuteronomy 8.15 goes like this. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land, with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of a hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never even known. And he did it to humble you and to test you so that in the end, excuse me, it might go well with you. Verse 17, but when you get out of this lockdown, I'm sorry, when you get out of this desert, don't you say to yourself, it was my power and my strength that produced all that. Don't say that because it wasn't. Now, what does this have to do with busyness? Everything. Because busyness is thinking that if you don't do it, it won't get done. Busyness is thinking if I don't provide, there will be no provision. Busyness is not even a problem with busyness. Busyness is a problem with self-sufficiency. The fact that you think you got to do it to get through. You got to do it to make it through. And God is saying, bro, you were in a desert for three months. You were in a desert for 40 years. And when you couldn't do it, I did it for you. I literally shut off the world just to show you. I literally brought water from a rock just to show you that when you can't do it, I can. That when you don't do it, I will. And I didn't do that. And I didn't do that so you could go back to working 60 hours a week. I did that so that you can learn to shut it off. If I, shut, if I shut it off for three months and you still thrived, then you can shut it off and you'll thrive. So I'm not going back to being busy. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep trusting God. What if I told you that the antidote to busyness was not better time management, but the antidote to busyness was trust? Ooh, would that change you? Would that rock your perspective? That the antidote to busyness is believing that God can work for you when, you're stop, when you stop working? I think it might. Are you willing to trust God? Let me word it another way. Are you willing to trust God when you don't have to? Because <laughs> you had to trust him these last three months. I don't even know that you get points for that. You don't get points for that. I'm sorry. I know I preached that you would three months ago, but let me tell you. You don't get points for trusting in God when the sink is shipping. No. <laughs> Ship is sinking. <laughs> What I say, I don't even know what I say. The sink is shipping. Somebody's getting a sink shipped to their house right now. <laughs> hey, you don't, you, don't, you don't get points for that when the, when the Titanic's, the water's coming all over the Titanic. God, I trust you. Well, what else will you do? Of course, now, now that all the lifeboats are gone, of course, you don't get points for trusting in God when the plane's going down. Everybody, when the plane go down, Jesus, forgive me. Well, where was that when things were all right? When you had other options. Did you trust him? So here's the thing now. Will you trust him now that you don't have to? Sorry, that was loud, but it's good. Will you trust him now that that you don't have to? You got to learn to trust him, to shut it off, you know? Because so often in life, we faith, faith is viewed in the lens of action. You know what I'm learning? Sometimes it takes just as much faith for inaction. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, you, I got to have the faith to, faith to raise the dead. Amen. You got the faith to raise the dead, but do you have the faith to go to sleep? Do you have the faith to lay down in your bed, look at the ceiling with a thousand worries going through your mind and you go, Lord, I believe in Jesus name that every trouble I cannot tackle, that every relationship that I cannot heal right now, I got the faith that even as I sleep, oh Lord, that you will handle it, that you will restore it, that you will heal it, that you will break the bondage, that you will provide. I got that kind of faith right now. So I'm going to... I'ma just leave, Lord. I'ma just, I'ma just snore in the spirit. Shut that up. I'm just going. I'ma just do it because I got the faith to sleep. You got the faith to take a nap. I'm just asking. Do you got the faith to schedule a vacation? To believe that while you rest, God works. I'm gonna keep trusting. I'm gonna keep trusting God. Point number three, I'm not going back. You're going to like this one. I'm not going back to quarantine. Uh-uh. I'm going to say it to the camera right now. I am, am I too close? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not going back to quarantine. I'm not going back to quarantine. You can't make me. I'm not going back to quarantine. Okay, what laws they passed? No. You can't make me go back to quarantine. And of course, by that I mean, I'm not going back to isolation. Yeah. Yeah. I am a... Uh, an introvert by nature. Where are my introverts at? Semi. <laughs> like, depends on the day. Yeah. Okay. You and me. You see. You're an introvert? You're an introvert? Wow, I would have never noticed that. I would have never known that. I'm an introvert. I, I, I tend to thrive by myself. But even I was, was desperate for some connection during this quarantine. Yeah. I realized maybe for the first time that whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, we all need relationship because we're all human. Yeah. Yeah. And humans historically have lived in tribes. Yeah. You go as far back as you possibly can. You don't even gotta be a Christian to jump in on this part of the message. Anthropologically speaking, humans have always lived in tribes. You know why? Because there's Safety in numbers. Yeah. 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 There's safety in numbers. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 12. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. You know, whether you made it or are making it through coronavirus or not, whether you are making it through the, the, the dark moments that our nation is facing or not, you know, it has very little to do with whether or not someone you know got sick or whether or not you got furloughed. I think it has everything to do with whether or not you had people around you. Yeah. 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 Come on. Yeah. If you made it through this, tell me it's not true. You made it through because there were people around you. Yeah. Yeah. People to defend you. Yeah. People to support you yeah. and encourage you. To keep you moving. To keep you living mentally, emotionally, spiritually. That's funny that the Bible calls us sheep. As like... Like, that's our mascot. You know what I'm saying? That depresses me so. Like, like what's, your favorite, what's your favorite sports team? You have a favorite sports team? Okay. Well, you, you know, you got like the St. Louis Rams, you know, or the L.A. Rams now. L.A. Rams. You know, Rams. Boom. Rams, you know. You got the Hawks and the Falcons and the Detroit Lions, you know. We got the Journey Church Sheep. <laughs> 
Can you imagine if that was your mascot? If you came back on June 28th and there was a I mean, we would be so, we would be so disheartened because there's nothing about that animal that strikes fear into the heart of the enemy. One of the things that irritates me the most about it is that this is an animal with absolutely zero defense, natural defense mechanisms. He got no teeth, his teeth are flat. She bites you, it'll tickle. <laughs> got no claws, can't spew venom. He's not fast. <laughs> the only thing I can think of is with enough time, he might be able to like static shock you. Like with enough time, just rub against them, people be like, eh. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Like. <laughs> so I Googled it. What is the sheep's defense mechanism? And the research said that the only defense that a sheep has is the herd. He groups himself up with as many people so that the predator doesn't see a hundred animals, but one large animal. It's the only defense that he has. I want to carry on this metaphor of the sheep because then I learned about the sheep dog. Sheep dog. Sheep dog. I don't know where am I into that. I'm just, I got hip hop in my mind. Snoop Dogg's in my mind right now. Anyway, this sheep dog. The point of the sheep dog is to get all the cattle together, and he does that by barking and running around. And the sheep see the dog as a perceived threat, and the perceived threat causes the sheep to huddle closer together. I wonder if the last three months, the perceived threat caused us to huddle together. I need people more than ever. Yeah. I need people more than ever. Yeah. It's scary, but just huddle up. Yeah. Just huddle up. Just huddle up. Just huddle up. I think that's what coronavirus was. A sheepdog for so many. Brought us into relationship with one another. Carrying on the metaphor, you know, even in a, a, a herd of sheep, you know, there's an alpha. An alpha male. If you're familiar with the concept of an alpha male, it's the, the biggest, baddest, strongest. Typically, in most herds, the alpha male is the animal at the head of the group. Because he's big, he wants to be at the front to defend. <laughs> the alpha male sheep has a very funny behavior. If he's strong, he doesn't go fight to be at the front, he fights to be in the middle. So that when the wolf comes, he's the last one to go. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's a real fact. And I used to be like, shame on that sheep. And I used to, I've even preached this sermon. Like, sometimes in church we can be selfish. You know, we just let people die. You know, <laughs> But God just gave me another revelation that I want to share with you today. And it's this. The strongest sheep fight to have the most people around them. That's good. Yeah, that's Here's what I've learned. Relationships are not something you find. There's something you fight for. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, so I'm not going back to quarantine. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep reaching out. Yeah. I'm going to keep fighting for it. You know what's so funny about quarantine? The only way you got into a relationship was by reaching out. Because typically, I'll go to church, you'll be there. I'll be in a public space, you're in a public space. It's almost like unintentional relationship. But the only way you could have gotten relationship in this season 
was being the initiator. And I just want you, I'm not going back to being just a receiver in relationships. I'm not going back. I'm going to be the initiator from this point forward. I'm going to call you. I'm going to join your small group. I'm going to get on that Zoom meeting. I'm going to get on that team. I'm going to reach out. I'm not going to wait for my best friend to find me. I'm going to fight for a relationship. When it's uncomfortable, when it's not easy, when they get annoying, I'm going to fight for it. Because I'd rather have, I need, I need numbers. There's safety in numbers. And finally, I'm not going back to doing church. I'm not going back to doing, doing, doing. I'm not going back to doing church. You know, pretty soon we'll be back. And we'll be, uh, we'll be standing and singing. And then we'll be sitting and listening. And then we'll be walking and leaving. And for so long, looking around, a lot of people in this room grew up in church. For so long, that, that was church. But in this season, we had to redefine it. Here, here was the former definition of church. Church. The place people come to talk about God. So here's the new definition. Church. The place that goes to people to talk about God. Yeah. Yeah. The place that goes to people to talk about God. And I'm not going back. Amen. Not going back to the old style. I, wanna, I want our church to continue. On the screen right now, I wanna, there's a picture of one of my, just one of the funnest people in my life. His name is Rick Perez. He is a dream, OG dream teamer. When we first started the church, we, him and his wife rededicated their lives to God at our church. They were together for 10 years, had kids together, weren't married. Our very first practice service at Journey Church, they were the first couple to get baptized in and out of the water after 10 years of living together. And then uh, a couple months later, got married. I mean, I love Rick. And you're, you're seeing a picture. The crazy thing is, Rick is always in the studio. For 12 weeks, Rick has been here every single re recording. This is the one day he's not here. And so a picture will have to suffice. But this is Rick. The reason why I'm showing you Rick is because the other day, Rick called um, Karina, who's on our team. She oversees our outreach. And he said, you know, I was just listening to this, this other preacher preaching on, online which I don't take it personally, Rick, um, to listening to other preachers. It's not like you're cheating on me or anything like that. <laughs> and he said, and this preacher said that the only hope that we have to break racial injustice in the world is the church. So then I got convicted. He said, and so I would like to do a prayer walk. I'd like to gather people from Journey Church and hold signs and, and walk downtown and go to City Hall and as we walk and as we pray. This guy's in a staff member. He didn't get paid from Journey. He doesn't make a lot of money. He organized it, bought ponchos for everybody, bought markers for everybody out of his own pocket, bought a poster board for everybody. Bunch of people showed up, wrote, wrote signs, and, they, and they, they went on this prayer walk, and they did it not just not in the name of Journey Church, but in the name of Jesus. I'm not going back. We took church to the street, and we're not going back. I want to share with you one of my favorite scriptures, Isaiah 58. 
Yeah. Isaiah 58. Isaiah's a prophet. He's got a word for the church. Yeah. Mm. And it's a hard word. So I'm just warning you now. Buckle up. Sit down. Because it's going it's to it's hurt. But I didn't preach it. Isaiah did. Shout! A full-throated shout. Hold nothing back. A trumpet blast shout. Tell my people what's wrong with their lives. Face my family, Jacob, with their sins. And here it is. They're busy, busy, busy at worship and love studying all about me. To all appearances, they're a nation of right living people, law abiding, God honoring. And then they ask me, what's the right thing to do? And they love having me on their side, but they also complain. Why do we fast and you don't look our way? Why do we humble ourselves, God, and you don't even notice? Why do we go to church and sing songs and you don't move on our behalf? Verse 6, I'll tell you why. Because this, this is God now, this is the kind of fast day I'm after. Now, now he's not talking about service anymore. I don't know if you saw verse 1 through 3, but verse 1 through 3 was what you would consider church, service. He goes, here's why, because this is church for me, to break the chains of injustice, Amen. to get rid of exploitation in the workplace, to free the oppressed, to cancel debts. This is what I'm interested in seeing you do. Share your food with the hungry. Invite the homeless to your home. Put clothes on the shivering, ill-clad, and be available to your own families. Do this and the lights will turn on and your lives will turn around at once. Your righteousness will pave your way. The God of glory will secure your passage. Then you will pray and God will answer. Then you'll call out for help and I'll say, here I am. Here it is ready. I'm not going back to doing church because I'm going to keep being the church. I'm going to keep being the church, being the church. Here's a list of some things, how we've been the church in the community over these last three months. We bought lunch for the nurses working in hospitals who were putting in overtime to help COVID-19 patients. Chipotle and Chick-fil-A. Come on, somebody. We got the good stuff. We got them the good stuff. We built field hospitals in Italy to help the many people that were sick. We provided one million meals to the hungry through the Ministry of Convoy of Hope. We covered the rent for furloughed employees here in Central Florida. We bought groceries for single moms. We offered childcare so that parents could go back to work when schools shut down. There were kids workers calling children throughout this entire pandemic to pray with them at their homes. Journey kids. Our small group leaders went virtual and extended their semesters by almost a month just so that they can keep relationships alive. And to everybody who had a don't hold back commitment, who was not expecting what happened this year to happen, thank you because you continued and even increased your generosity during this time. You know, for a second, I started wondering if attending church even makes sense anymore. Can I be real? Let me be honest. It just seems a lot more convenient. We're living in the age of Uber Eats and DoorDash and Instacart and Netflix and everything you want. It just seemed like the next evolution was church on demand. So I started to think about it. I go, well, I don't know. What does it look like? We ain't got a building. And what does it look like if we just stay online? 
Maybe this is the next step of church. Now, honest, I really considered it. Some of our staff even were, were supporting the idea as well. And I had asked myself, I said, well, what's the church? If, if the church is just preaching, then we shouldn't go back. Because you can get this online. And you can get it at your convenience. That I, that, and there's way better preachers online as well that you can, don't say amen to that. Better, better preachers you can get as well. And I thought, well, maybe the church is gathering. But if, if the church is gathering, we don't have to open, we don't have to come back and gather either because, well, we don't need the church to open, we just need Disney to open. Because we can regather there. We can see a bunch of people and smile and faith. we can do that there. If you got $200, I mean, you can't do it. <laughs> Granted, church was a much cheaper way, but, but you, you can do it, I'm saying. So, so what, what is the point? Why are we, why come back? And then it hit me. There's one thing, one thing you, you can't do from home. One reason why you ought to come back on the 28th. Because of this. Can I see this camera? This camera right here? Awesome. Let me see this camera right here. Yeah, right here. Come here, RJ. Come here, RJ. You can get closer. Yeah, stop right there. <laughs> you know what the one, this is RJ. RJ is uh, a big, big player in our online video. He's been helping us from the beginning make it possible. RJ wasn't just doing church. RJ was being the church. Here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. <laughs> RJ is cringing right now. <laughs> Here's what I'm saying. This is the one thing you can't do from home. Make a difference. It's a good time to clap. Clap for me. You can hear the word from home. You can worship from home. You can gather online. But the church doesn't exist for us. We are the church and we exist for the world. The one thing you can't do from home is park a car. The one thing you can't do from home is open the door for somebody. The one thing you can't do from home is greet somebody with a smile as they walk into the church. So thank you, RJ, for doing this. This is Ernesto right here. What's up, Ernesto? Woo! Ernesto is our, what do we call you? Quality control. Quality control. He is the one who makes it, uh, he keeps us all on time. He yells at us and tells us to shut off our cell phones so it's not ringing. He makes sure we, we do this on time. You guys know this guy right here. Jason, our worship director. He's the one who helps put together the set. He's our newest staff member right here, Martin Duarte, who does sound, audio, and plays the ivories, the wicked ivories. Come on, here's Scylla, our photographer. Right here, we got Gio, who does everything. Right here, come on, look at everybody right here. This is our team. This is purpose. This is the church right here. This is what we're doing right here. And you can't do that from home. We're being the church, not just doing the church. We're finding our purpose and we're making a difference. So let me tell you, let me tell you at home, hear me when I tell you, you have a purpose. You have a purpose. And you need this purpose to fulfill the mission that God has on your life, to, 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 to fulfill the fulfillment, to receive the fulfillment. You, you need it. You need, you need purpose, see? You can't do that from a, from a computer screen. You need so I don't know about you, I'm not going back to doing church. I'm going to keep being the church. So maybe that resonated with you today. I hope that it did. 
I want to do two quick prayers, but the first prayer is a prayer of predecision. Maybe this season has been tough but great for you. You've grown, you've evolved, your character has evolved. That student right now, I want to come into a moment of prayer where I say, I'm not going back to the old me. I'm not going back to the old me. I've evolved in some ways, I've changed in some ways. I'm, 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 I'm supporting all these causes and I love the new me, I'm not going back. Or maybe these last three months have been hell for you. And life before it was better than life through it. Now that they're reopening, here's what you also need to be saying. I'm not going back to that. I'm not going back to that darkness. I'm not going back to that depression. Mm -mm. There's a new season waiting for me and I'm going to put my foot down today and tell the devil, devil, I'm not going back. I choose today. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will move forward. Every head by every eye closed. If that's you, let me pray for you right now. Right now, make that pre-decision right now. Come on, you know what these last months have been for you. Let's not fall into the rut of comfort. Let's not fall into the rut of routine. Let's not fall into the trap of tradition. I'm not, get me uncomfortable, God. Even when I go back to work, even when Disney opens up, even when all of the, the movie theaters reopen, I'm not gonna fall into comfort. I've been on my couch for too long. I, I'm gonna fight the comfort right now because it's changing me and I'm not gonna change back. I, I'm not going back. I'm not going back to old mindsets. I'm not going back to old theories. I'm not going back to old ways. I'm not going back to the status quo. I'm not gonna accept the God of the Amorites, the local culture around me. I'm not going back to that. I'm not going back to being to being ignorant of racial injustice and, and, and unfairness and racism. I'm, I'm not going back to being busy. I'm gonna, I'm gonna preserve my life for the relationships that matter for my children and for my wife and my husband and, and my family and my parents and my siblings and my church and my ministry. I'm not going back to quarantine. I'm not gonna live my life in isolation any longer. I'm gonna fight for friendships. I'm gonna fight for relationships. I'm gonna join that small group. I'm gonna get on that team. I'm going to make that phone call. I'm going to FaceTime that uncle. I'm going to fight for relationships. And I'm not going back to doing church. I'm not going back to sit down, listen, stand up, sing, walk out, leave. No, no. I've got a taste of revival. i got a taste of the New Testament. i got a taste of the book of Acts. i got a taste of the power of the Holy Spirit through my life. And so I'm going to continue to impact the world with my life. I'm going to keep being the church. I'm going to keep being the church at home, being the church in my workplace, being the church at school, being the church in my neighborhood. I'm going to be the church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Here's the last decision I want to make, I want you to make today. For some people, the choice you have to make today is to receive Jesus Christ into your heart. What does that mean? That means that up until this moment, your life has been heading in one direction. But right now, you're ready to turn and send your life in another direction. You are pre-deciding to follow Jesus no matter what hell may come. You are pre-deciding for Him to be your Lord, your Savior, your King, your very best friend. Are you ready? God's been waiting for you. This is your moment. When, when I say three, I want you to do something physically with your body. I want you, when I say three, to raise up both hands. I usually say raise up your right hand. I want you to raise up both hands. Why? Because both hands is a universal sign of surrender. I give up. I'm tired of running away. I choose today to make you my Lord and Savior. If I ask you, when I say three, shoot up both hands. It's a sign of surrender. Jesus, I need you. Come on, all over the living rooms. 
all over the, the bedrooms, all over the cars, whether you're listening to this on a podcast or YouTube or Facebook or church online, get ready. If that's you, you want to bring Jesus in your heart. When I say three, one, two, three, right now, come on, raise both hands to the sky. I surrender. I give you my life, Lord. Take all of me, every dream, every fear, every thought. I'm tired of living life my way, heading in my direction. I'm ready to surrender. I give you all of me, all of me, all of me. Right now, Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me, forgive me. Forgive me, forgive me. Take control. Take control. In your name, we pray. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.